0: My question to Rajivji is this. You have raised very pertinent issues about how technology is going to be used in the future, especially in capturing the people's minds in the democratic world, right? I really appreciate the kind of issues that you talk about. Like, for example, you write, and I quote, Facebook uses tens of thousands of factors, such as clicks, likes, shares, comments, personal interests, to determine users, news feeds. It's marketing material, solicits advertisers by bragging how well it can influence the emotions of users in such manipulation, right? So the question that I would like to ask you, Rajivji, is this. It's so explicit and brazen that they are so out in the open doing what they're doing. Where are the kind of blocks that you're seeing in trying to put forth across this as the implications of AI To the Indian decision makers. What is it that has happened there? And please share your thoughts.
1: So, you know, the interesting thing is that in the United States, they're having congressional hearings. Four, four or five times they've had with all these people brought in, the CEO level brought in and grilled in front of the U.S. Congress. Initially, I was disappointed that the congressmen were not that smart, were not well-educated in, in, the, in the issues. They were not asking good questions. I've made some inputs and I have more people in the United States, in Washington, interested in listening. And there are people who go and then tell the Senator and tell the Congressman. And uh, so I have a channel to, uh, you know, give my inputs. And there's a whole ecosystem of uh, critical thinkers like me that are are f- sort of uh, making a counter narrative. But in India, I don't find this traction. I don't know where to go. For the last five years, I didn't, I found that the a big disappointment, and this I will tell you uh, uh, Mohanji, because uh, you, you are, you know, these kind of people. I don't want to name anybody, but I'll say that the whole Hindutva, uh, right, So what they call right-wing uh, social media channels, twitter atties have been a very big disappointment because they're just rehashing and recycling the same few points. You know, this fight on a church, this fight with the mosque, this problem with some conversion, this Mayawati problem, this uh, um, uh, West Bengal uh, uh, issue problem, and uh, so-and-so uh, bring this uh, coalition down. Uh, you know, it's all petty politics and it's all... Uh, The job of a sensational news channel, maybe Republic TV should be doing all this and five other news channels should be doing this. But this is activism. This is not intellectualism. There's a difference between a scholar who actually goes beyond just the daily news and weekly news and looks at what's there for two years, five years, 10 years ahead and does some serious digging. That I feel that our right wing intellectuals or so called intellectuals have not done. So I would want to differentiate between intellectuals and activists. What we have is a large number of activists, basically taking the Breaking India thesis, which was out there a dozen years ago. Uh, you know, and basically flogging that and making big careers out for themselves, but not done anything original beyond that. So I'm handing them another big, big gift. Of research, saying, okay, now read this. If they can't even read it, then what can I do? But if they were to read it, they will understand that this is the future of all this activism, all this stuff that they've been doing for the last 10 years is now been upgraded to 2.0. So they need to know that. Now I find that the, if the Hindutva right wing, the Saffron people and all these guys are not, not they have not been woken up in, by this. Now they ought to be woken up. Now they ought to be paying attention. Uh, I'm interested in engaging them. I'm interested in meeting them. I'm interested in having mantans with them, uh, leading them, conducting workshop, whatever they want to do, I'm available. But I, they have to be interested. So uh, as far as government is concerned, I didn't find any. I, I, I found that even Nitya Yog, who talk a lot about, you know, future AI and all that stuff. When, you know, I'm the only guy in India, uh, only guy who wrote uh, such a massive book. Covering so much ground and so deeply and very targeted on India, particularly, they ought to have been very happy to release this book or, 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 or get every one of their guys to read it. No interest. No response when my publisher said, would you like to release it? Would you like to launch it? Would you like to appear? Would you like to at least give, uh, you know, just symbolic uh, uh, support that this issue is important? Zero interest. So, I found that uh, government, Nitya Yoga, this ministry, that ministry, whether it's education ministry, science ministry, culture ministry, no interest so what can i do people ask me why have you gone public with this why aren't you privately educating them are privately i tried for 5 years and even now i'm interested even now what i have put out is just 10 20% of what i know i know another 80% which i have not put out but there are there have to be listeners so you know the india is preoccupied with too much Politics, short term, democracy. Maybe there's too much democracy, too many elections, too many fights going on, and a low caliber of public intellectuals out in the media who who, who become very powerful, very important. They got a lot of followers and a lot of uh, views and all that. And that is what the average Janta is following. So if the average Janta is such low caliber and they are not able to discern what is true knowledge, what is genuine. They, they want good news. They want to feel good. They don't want somebody who's going to give them an issue to solve. But, uh, but they want people who would give them all kind of great things. We are winning this cricket match and we are having that fun and whatnot. If they all they want is that, then, you know, that's the kind of supplier that comes and becomes important. So, the the public is looking for that. The people who are supplying pol- political thought and uh, intellectual thought are uh, supplying that. There is no room for something of this kind, which is very serious. So, in the, in the absence of... Proper discourse. What I'm doing is going to people like you. People like you are scientific people and and analytical people, deep thinking people. uh, And and so I'm saying, you guys spread this knowledge. You guys take this idea and what I've done and take it forward. And, And that will create traction. The good news is this the book has been out only like one and a half months or so. And we've done about 20 some events like this. And we have another 20 or so events uh, that are in the pipeline being edited. The videos have been recorded. So these 40 events that we have already recorded, half of them we have put out on the air, represent almost a hundred plus thinkers like this panel has got four of you. So the total number of thinkers who've joined us and who are supporting this, who are backing this, who are endorsing this is kind of a hundred or so. So I feel that the traction is starting. And these are not trivial people. These are people from some of them, like chief scientific advisor to the Indian government, the, uh, you know, atomic energy chairman, these kind of people, senior people from all walks of life have started listening to this. They've started understanding this. They promised me privately, many, many times they will help. Uh, They will do whatever they can. So, you know, we've built a a core team of a hundred thinkers. And so by the summertime, maybe it will be several hundred. Uh, maybe you know in a while it'll be several thousand. So I'm going to keep this going for the entire 2021. I'm going to go on and on having these kind of events, and when when possible have conferences, or do whatever all sorts of things because I want to build awareness. Uh, then you know then the government leaders will have to think, we'll have to listen. Government will listen when all the other people are talking about it, and the, the, the people are saying, bhai, here is a book. Why aren't you reading it?" here is a guy who's put five years into it. Why aren't you paying attention? Why don't you invite him? Why don't you, why don't you have him? I would love to go and uh, give a workshop to all the Indian foreign service people, all the Indian IS people, all the judiciary, you know, all the people in education ministry, and I'm not charging. I don't want a penny for that. I just want a good audience. I would love to give to the go to the PMO's office. They got so many people there and have a 50 of them, 100 of them who are the brilliant ones. Put them together. Give me a day or two with them and I will coach them. I will brief them. I will tell them so much that they don't know. So much beyond what's in this book. The book is to challenge people so that they can start understanding what they don't know and what they ought to know. That, that's
0: a very, very passionate uh, uh, appeal that you have made through these words, Rajivji. And we hope... Uh, India really understand the implications of the kind of thoughts that you've been bringing to the table. And maybe I should take this question to the esteemed professors here with us. Rajivji talked about intellectualism, a kind of awareness amongst the key educators about what is lacking and what is critical. He also talked about the fact that there's too much of democracy perhaps. In my view, I think it's too much of the wrong kind of democracy. We need authentic, true democracy, which really empowers people, not trap them in the ego mind, ego games that they are all into. So maybe I should start with Professor Vaidyanathan. Sir, quickly, what is your view of developing this intellectual uh, uh, thinking amongst the uh, uh, educators so that they become aware and they pass on this awareness to the people around, including decision makers? Professor Vaidyanathan.
2: Yeah, there is always a lead lag, I would say. Since, okay uh, means that. what is being uh, talked about today uh, you know by him maybe in another four five years will be picked up by other i remember breaking india was uh, not done a day before yesterday right maybe a decade am i right Rajivji?
1: yes 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 more and than it a decade, took actually. and it took a while for people to accept it
2: yeah now no. for instance in all the mainline discussion and other thing what he call quote unquote activist they talk about breaking India, breaking India, and other things. So, yeah. what I mean to say is there is a lead lag relationship in terms of our understanding of the only concern of people like me is by the time we understand all these issues, the issues might have you know sort of overcome us and, uh, yes. you know,
0: burden
2: us actually. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, so, the breaking India 2.0 that Rajivji talks about is a dangerous thing because it's very, very Fast. Is, very, you know, I recall Aravindo. writes
2: in one of his writing. I recall, you know, not the exact words, but uh, even Gandhi mentioned about it. To make Indians understand that the foreign rule is not desirable, it takes a lot of time. Right? Yes, it's not. You know, it it looks very simple for you today. But it took them so much because everybody thought, you know, what is the big deal, whether the white man rules or not. You know. In Tamil, we call it Ravana and Ravana and Yavananda. Whether it is Ram or whether it is Ravana, it doesn't really matter. So but, it takes a lot of time. That is what I say. Lead lag. I'm you sure, know, you know, after some five years, everybody will be taking over the dominance of A and our technology. But my only concern is in this lead lag. T, T okay. minus one, T, T plus one. By the time we realize all this, uh, it might have already, you know, taken place. Okay. So you may ask, uh, Jalihal? Only one yeah. point I want to mention. Uh, Rajiv oh. mentions about um, machines uh, made to act like people, but increasingly right. it is people are made to act like machines.
1: Yes.
0: People are voluntarily mention. acting like machines. Yes.
2: Which is uh, something very very interesting point. And uh, many of us would raise our hands to act like machines. I'm
0: sure right. you read uh, that. Let, let, me, let me go to Professor Devatari Jalihal and continue on this intellectualism part because we need to have authentic Indic intellectualism that really takes up the challenges of educating the public at large, the decision makers at large, and the students at large. What do you say, sir, on what can be done, what should be done? How do we go about it or whatever? Prof. Uh, Vaidyanathan has been very provocative.
3: So I would like to uh, take up from where he left. Uh, he talked about NEP being, um, you know, just a, uh, you know, rearranging the existing things. I think mostly it is right, right? Because, you know, everybody knows I mean, there's a fair amount of research that says when uh, a student, uh, a primary education happens in the mother tongue, the analytical thinking, the mathematical thinking, you know, uh, blossoms out. And, um, you know, and, and you would think that, uh, with AI and everything becoming so important, the analytical thinking would be, uh, valued. And so, uh, you know, education would have to be in the, you know, mother tongue. I mean, it, uh, it's, it's so easy and so easy to understand. I mean, especially supported by the modern thinking. So, you know, uh, uh, any doesn't even make a bold statement such as this, that, you know, mathematics is important. AI is important. So mother tongue is important, right? Uh, education in mother tongue is important because that's where the analytical skills are going to be. Then <laughs> second thing is he talked about how foreign rule uh, is so uh, readily accepted. Uh, you know, if if you look at um, the um, how um, uh, uh, Saint Xavier and how uh, uh, Abbe Dubois uh, who who wrote this uh, big book on uh, Hindu customs and compare that to the uh, um, uh, opposition that Swami Vivekananda had to face in America. I mean, you know, right. so Indians are somewhat naturally accepting of, uh, uh, of foreigners I in think, a way that is very pathetic. I think,
0: uh, Devendraji, I think that's yeah. uh, the deep colonization of the mind that's happened right. over thousands of years. And that's why this docility perhaps. But my question to you is, how do you awaken the intellectualism that Rajivji talks about or says? He made this passionate speech as to why we need to be really waking up to the reality around us. What do you say to that? I, I think we, we just have to keep talking about it
3: uh, until people we understand. we need to work I mean, on oh, that, as well, I suppose, right? Yeah, so, so you know, I, I think, again, the point has been made that, you know, politicians think of the next election and in India, there's the election every year. So that's all they can think of. Bureaucrats only think about their promotion and, and their turf wars and so on. So. Bureaucrats can't be thinking about So this has to come from universities and think tanks. I think at least in that, if if you can, if you can
0: uh, seed these ideas in those areas. So how do you groom the change makers in the universities and think tanks who can then influence the people around? That's the big question that's happening. So I'll go to Professor Gopinath and ask him his views on this intellectualism of the Indy kind and the seeding of the think tanks and... uh, influencers such that transformation and change of the right kind happens. Professor Gopina. Uh,
4: one thing I notice is that uh, many uh, researchers in our country, they use data sets which are essentially available from outside the country. Essentially what is happening is that uh, in spite of all the things that has happened, there are still a data scarce country in that part,
0: okay? Oh, so I in the thought it was a more data-oriented country scarce. because... No, no. So basically, no, what's happening
4: no, is that no, we don't. Have,
0: but we are capable of generating immense amount of data because the that kind of that we have, the kind of opportunity that we have, is something which every country wants to mine India for, right? Yes, sir. I'm just coming
4: to I'm coming to that. Okay, I'm coming to that one. Here. Okay. Okay. Basically, what has happened is that because of the way the platforms are operating, other people have micro data about what is happening, about groups of people how they are behaving etc They have that information. Right. Whereas our own people. We don't have that information. So, for example, if somebody does some work on hate speech, okay, in India, what do they do? They take a data set that is done by somebody in uh, Britain or somewhere in the US, takes that uh, model which is probably appropriate in Britain, etc. and forcibly fits it into some Indian content, comes with some ludicrous emoting, uh, uh, very ludicrous uh, uh, statement. With me,
1: okay? Can I interrupt one second and, and explain what Gopinath is saying is a very important point. Uh, India has raw data, and this raw data it doesn't go directly. You process it, you organize it, you curate it, you, or, you structure it into data on buyers, data on this, data on that. And this the Westerners are very good at doing that. So it is our Kohinoor. They went, cut it, polished it and made it into something else. It's like that kind of thing happening. The right. Indian, raw, Indians are raw material. Uh, Indians are raw material, whether it is brains uh, go, going and working for those guys like cyber coolies, whether it is our data being siphoned off. And I have uh, in this book, I've criticized a lot. We don't have time, but I've criticized a lot about the Kumu Mela being sold off the data of the Kumu Mela being sold off. So, you know, our people have not been able to take the, the world's richest raw data and use it. Others are taking it and turning it into usable AI data sets. So a data set is different than raw data. That is the point that I think Gopinath is making. So, so what you
0: are also saying, Rajiji, is that apart from data set, there are also algorithms which are essentially, implicitly yes. capturing the biases of the people who write those algorithms. And that, in turn, is reflective of the Western lens. And that is being force-fitted into the Indian context for all kinds of wrong inferences to come, which right. is totally alien to what really needs to be done in the Indian society. Right. Uh,
4: So in a sense, what's happening is that we have uh, seen uh, our uh, ability to uh, collect information directly ourselves and uh, use it in the way which we have our own perspectives with our own proper perspectives. I'm not saying that we should have this particular viewpoint or that particular viewpoint, but be fair to what the data we have and use it to develop our own perspectives. That is not happening. It is, uh, uh, and I think I see a big problem in uh, researchers, for example, in India, they are just basically taking data sets outside and uh, come to their work, doing some incremental work, etc. And I think that this has to change a bit. This reason also is because even things like releasing the census data in India is a big political event. The did, they they delay it. For example, I remember the 2011 census was uh, delayed for a long, long time. I don't even know the current status. Yeah. So in a sense, what has happened is that even the data that is collected officially has become a hot potato because various political parties are just trying to exploit it for their own, uh, I would call it sectarian uh, uh, or other uh, reasons. And so basically what has happened is that even the data that is collected doesn't come out. So the people are completely, they have to read between the lines. And so it becomes a totally uh, chancy affair the way the analysis is going. So in a sense, uh, there is not enough data to work on. Hmm?
0: So what you're saying is essentially we have a farce of our democracy. We are as bad as the totalitarian state that does not really share authentic data. And therefore, we Indians have to blame ourselves for having such governance models which are actually alien to our own indic, intrinsic Indic nature. And I think that's where Rajiv Valhotra's lot of the writings that he has been doing and the work that he has been doing fits in in a big way for us to arouse ourselves up. And if I may kind of say so, the intellectualism that has to be there, which is missing has to really take the country forward in the direction that's very important. And Rajivji, so your closing statement, if I may kind of say so, because we have been conversing on very important points. Okay. And I want to kind of possibly wrap up this discussion. So Rajivji, your closing statement, and then I'll go go to everybody and take their closing statements as well.
1: Thank you very much for uh, having this uh, to all uh, four of you. Uh, a very important distinguished uh, p- persons and good friends for many, many years and uh, many more years to come, I hope. Uh, so I want to basically say that it's people like you who have the responsibility to take this message forward, to take this book forward, to help me organize conferences, uh, get gather other people. Uh, like Monji has gathered a few people, uh, uh, you know. Each of you should gather more people. I think we have to build it like that. We have to build it, uh, you know, from the inside out. Bring in strong people, and then have each of them bring in a few more. And then before we know it, this compound growth, uh, this exponential growth, will become very large. It will build. It will build uh, criti- uh, pressure on the authorities. Uh, that, uh, you know, they can't ignore. So we have to become non-ignorable. One of the things that happened with my Breaking India book, it was being ignored. People were making snide remarks. They were taking pot shots at me, personally attacking me, rather than looking at the message of the book, same thing, kind of thing. But then, then, you know, it became undeniable because people started saying, Oh my God, I'm noticing things happening, which this book talks about. So it is correct. Let's read it. Similarly, This Twitter thing and this uh, farmer thing is just the first thing. But you will see even in 2021, many more such things will happen. I know that they will happen and every year more and more things will happen. So people will begin to notice that, hey, you know, this book is something we should read because it tells us how to understand all this. When, When a book is creating a framework, To understand and interpret correctly, all kinds of data points that are happening out there, then the book is going to be taken seriously. And and, and I think when there's a critical mass of uh, fellow travelers like you who are equally concerned and passionate about the future of Bharat, uh, and, and you have you have good technological foundations, then I think that also is going to be an important factor. So I, I, I'm I very optimistic. I think that in the last 60 days, what I have seen as a result of this book is so encouraging and that I'm not worrying about all the riffraff and war, whatever uh, pot shots and they're trying to bring us down or they, they have some stupid remarks ignore those guys just build our with people who are intelligent and who are on our wavelength and give them empowerment give them more knowledge and let them go forward i'm i'm encouraged by the number of young people that uh, have come to me and want to have discussions with their campuses virtual discussions i've had a large number of virtual discussions some of them on camera which we'll put out some of them are off camera lot of these zoom events and webinars and all that i'm doing two or three of these every day And so, and the demand is huge. So I'm encouraged because, uh, you know, uh, while I was talking privately to the authorities, they were not too interested. Now that I'm talking to the public, I'm getting a lot of people in wanting me to, wanting to meet me and want even authorities are coming and wanting to, uh, when I'm in Delhi, they want to hold some events and things like that. So this year, Please understand, we are going to have an exponential growth in the awareness of artificial intelligence. And, and it's thanks to people like you who are the pioneers helping this out. So for that, I, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Rajivji.
0: You have been pioneering in trying to spread awareness on the implications of AI and how we are all deep into this digital colonization that's already all around us. Just that we still have our heads above the water, so we can still break out of free if we chose to empower us, I suppose. And on that note, I would like to go to Professor Vaidyanathan and hear his closing note, comments and observations on the way this whole discussion has gone on. Professor Vaidyanathan.
2: No, there is nothing more to add. I think uh, Rajivji has uh, very nicely summed it up. And I'm very confident in the next couple of uh, years Particularly 2021 is going to be very critical year and I am very confident a large number of uh, people, not only in India and in other parts of the world also, will realize the nature of AI and its implication for nation states, society, culture and so many aspects of human existence actually. I am very confident about that.
0: Yeah, would you just say 2021 or the next 2-3 years because Things are going to hot up for the next two, three years with a lot of challenges in the society, I suppose. Yeah. Riots, then, information, a, occupations, and. Major to, and very,
2: very yeah?
0: So, breaking India 2.0 forces are going to unleash, get unleashed. That's what you're saying. Yeah. All right. So, let me go to Professor Devendra Jarihal, Sir, what's your closing statement and what do you foresee? Optimism, pessimism, empowerment, encouragement, Indic thinking. What's it all about? Uh,
3: you know, uh, this is a great uh, effort uh, by uh, Rajivji, right? Uh, uh, fully support uh, uh, the ideas and um, uh, uh, sorry, we uh, didn't uh, um, you know, complete the discussion we had with Professor Gopinath because in um, Professor Gopinath's recent work, which I, I uh, read in Manushi, he, he talks about the uh, Western bias. In the selection of the data. That's what he was talking about, but I think he didn't get a chance. So I think, you know, uh, uh, that fits in very nicely with what, uh, you know, Rajiv is writing about. So, you know, uh, uh, so there is uh, uh, an academic work also now from India
0: that, that amplifies uh, the c- contents of this book. What you're saying is, like what Rajiv said, the Kumbh mela was an interesting area of study for several Western universities. They chose to study Kumbh mela the way they wanted. Not the way it should be studied, so that right. the intrinsic participants of the Kumela get to benefit in a very big way. That was right. missing totally, right? right? Maybe I should request Prof. Gopinath to share his thoughts and complete what I kind of interrupted in between at that point of time, and share your thoughts there. Prof. Gopinath. No, no. What I was referring to was that uh,
4: the uh, basically there is some uh, researcher in UK who. Is a British, is, uh, what I call British Asian Muslim. He points many, uh, let us say, hate uh, messages with respect to uh, his community. And he has created a database. And so, by definition, it doesn't have any data about uh, hate speech against other than uh, uh, Asian Muslims. Okay. And this particular data set has been taken by some researchers in India. And uh, of course, there is nothing against uh, hate speech against uh, Indian people. Okay. The Indian people, okay, and he concludes that uh, whatever you see in India also on other places, there is only hatred against uh, you know uh, one community. Okay? You can see the how shallow the whole world is. Okay, and this is what bothers me. You are right?
0: referring to the research from IIT Karakpur, who are yeah, t- I think so. Okay, hmm? okay.
4: and uh, so the issue for me is basically uh, what of this? This sometime where we were, uh, I think was Vajinathan mentioned. There are so many fault lines in the country. And I think that uh, it's easy to exploit them. So I think as a counter, I think our uh, uh, researcher should look at what I would call robust AI. What I mean by robust AI is, especially with respect to societal issues. Given that there are so many fault lines, what is one way in which you don't, uh, let's say come up with, uh, let's say narrow tunnel vision solutions, Mm -hmm. which amplify these particular, uh, let's say fault lines because finally, the part time will certainly benefit some people. But as a society can actually get into serious uh, mess because of this kind of things. Okay? For example, what happened in, what happened in uh, Delhi, right? Right. Recently, the farmer's people, example gets uh, taken over by some other bunch of people, etc. So we need a, a better model on how to somehow look at society as a larger whole and somehow try to, uh, using probably the dharmic perspective, etc., To make sure that it is handled in a slightly better way than to relate it to let the competitive interest take over, especially
0: the political. So, so what you're essentially saying in so many words, Professor Gopinath, is that we in India really lack that Dharmic lens to look at the whole issues that are hitting us hard. And we are refusing to wake up to that reality. Instead, what we do is we go by the playbook of what the Westerners, through their lens, talk about us. And we refuse to understand that these kinds of technological implications can be used against us in a very big massive way and of course the foundational part of it is the leaders of the society have to wake up to the urgent need to inculcate nurture protect and I suppose grow up the Indic thinking Indic rootedness Indic uh, grand narrative and that's exactly what Rajiv has been talking about in so many ways and of course what you're saying is that the breaking India 2.0 forces that Rajiv talks about in so many forums is going to hit us hard and it is, it, is, it is hitting us hard. I think this discussion has been a big eye opener in so many ways because it talks, it brought out the issues that we as Indians sitting in India have to work, wake up to. It talks about issues that professors in esteemed light and very, very accomplished institutions have to open up to and how they can influence the flow of thinking and of course it also uh, brought out what rajivji is going to do in the next year in the coming months and year and how the implications are for us to empower ourselves in the right ways on that note uh, should i say a big thank you to all the esteemed panelists to rajivji for this beautiful book for The books that you have been writing all this while, you know, I kind of remember the Investing, the Sacred Spaces, the Breaking India book, the um, Being Different, the one on Indra's Net, the Battle for Sanskrit, the Sanskrit non-translatables, and this one. A very interesting series of thoughts that really empower Indians to be Indian. So on that note, I really thank the viewers. Thank you so much. I am glad that I have been having this opportunity of not just being a moderator but also a participant of this.
1: And, and I want to and I want to thank you, Mohanji. Uh, you've been a great friend all these years, and also the other three panelists. Same same goes for them. Every one of you guys I have known for a long time, and I don't want you to think that uh, this uh, one or two events is all all we do do and our job is done. Uh, I'm going to call on you to continue this. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation. We're going to take it forward. So, thank you very much, Ev, all of you.
2: Thank, thank you. you.
1: thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank
0: you. you. Thanks a lot.